What happens when the country of Sweden is shown a commercial on how to make a taco? And then we travel to Nigeria to take a look at a story that's so bizarre I had trouble believing it was actually real. But it is. When several kids go missing in the town of Ibadan, the local population is tired of the police in action. So they form a mob and head off into the woods. What they find terrifies the nation. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having lots of fun doing whatever you guys are doing. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're going to jump right into it. I also got to say this is halfway through the season. This is usually when stuff kind of gets discombobulated. Um, (laughs) It's really bad on the back end here. I have a supporter, but I don't know how they supported the show. I don't even know if this is a note that I wrote, if this is an actual person. It's just in my list of people to thank. So the dude's like, what? That's, that's super That's super weird. So give a round of applause for An Idea Guy. An Idea Guy is floating in on a giant thinking light bulb. It's like above his head and he's floating on it like a balloon. And he's like, I have no idea why I'm here. I was like, hoping you did. You're in my notes. He's like, I think I supported the show in some way. He is a show supporter. Um, I think I have no idea. He's just in my notes. But I would rather err on the side of caution and give idea guy a little tip of the hat than just ignore him completely. I just don't know. I, I put my hands on his shoulder. I don't know why you're here, dude. I don't know why you're here. But you are here. You're our guest of honor. You're going to be our pilot, our captain this episode. If you guys can't support the show in any way, however this dude did, whatever he did to support the show, maybe he did a live stream donation, I'm not for sure. But uh, you can do that too. You can do something that I'm not for sure of either. Or you can help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. We're going to start doing the flyers again. Now that society's starting to reopen up, we're going to start putting flyers up. So that's a good way to spread the word about the show. You can go to deadrabbit.com or in the show notes, there will be flyers in there once again. Idea guy, I'm going to toss you the controls for the hair hang glider. We're going to take a nice leisurely journey from Dead Rabbit Command all the way out to Sweden. And as we're headed out there, go ahead and hit that little button on the left. That's our time travel button. We're going back to the year 1990. <laughs> Apparently the three stooges are in charge of the time vortex. I got all of my information for this story from an article on Atlas Obscura's website, written by Barbara Woolsey. So tip of the hat to you, Barbara. At least I know what she did. I know what she did for the episode. Sorry, idea guy. But I want to give credit to the journalists who do all this digging up. This story's weird. This story's weird. And it doesn't actually... It's not like weird in the fact that I don't expect the goblin to show up any point in this story. It's just weird. It starts off weird and it kind of ends weird as well. But it's a good taste. It's a good little nibble because the next story is super disgusting. The next story is pretty dark. So I wanted to start off with something... Delicious and light. The year is 1990. This is going to blow your minds bigger than any goblin. Because when I tell people this in real life, they're like, what? In the year 1990, in the country of Sweden, two things were happening. One, the economy was starting to pick up. People had money to burn. And 1990 was the very first year that commercials were allowed on television. Isn't that weird? 
Could you imagine growing up, assuming, I don't know, maybe you are a 90s kid, but I can't imagine life without commercials. I love commercials. I actually really enjoy commercials, and I miss them now that I'm, obviously, if I'm waiting for the show, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. I want to skip past them. But when you don't have commercials, and you grew up around commercials, I've watched YouTube videos that were just like commercials from the 80s and 90s. Like kids' commercials. Like <laughs> I wasn't watching commercials for like law attorneys. But I think even that would be interesting. Zimmer Jewelers and all that stuff. I love commercials. I love marketing. I love the whole science behind it. But in ni- they didn't have any commercials on television until 1990 in Sweden. So basically, for the first, th- you could see commercials in like movie theaters, but other than that, you didn't see them. So now, for the very first time, people are starting to see these commercials on their television. And there was a brand of chips called OLW. They're still around, but it's just like potato chips. And they came out with a commercial saying, now it's Cozy Friday time. I don't know exactly what what it sounded like. I tried looking for the ad. But it was a really catchy tune, and, and it apparently played all the time, and it was brand new. People weren't used to commercials. So when this commercial popped up, now it's Cozy Friday time, and it was pictures and video of people eating chips. People go, hey, you know what? That actually sounds good. We already have Fridays. (laughs) These dates already exist. The one thing it was missing was how cozy they were. So a new phenomenon catches on called uh, Fredgisms. Fredgisms, which means, if you pronounce it correctly, means Cozy Friday. From this ad, from this advertisement, a whole new cultural moment started. Every Friday... You wear your pajamas. <laughs> People are like, I wasn't in the ad. What are you talking about? We don't make pajamas. You wear your pajamas, or in winter, you wear thermals, and you spend Friday just sitting there eating chips. And then it became any processed food. Junk food. Just sit there, eat it, watch television with your family in your pajamas. It's Cozy Friday. It's Fredgasms. <laughs> that sounds like actually Fred in the corner is like, oh, yeah. Fred Fredgisms. So old El Paso Salsa is watching this from America. They're sitting in a boardroom in Texas and they're like, oh, we want we want in on this cozy Friday thing. And it's funny because that might sound like an exaggeration. <laughs> it might be. I don't think they're hitting their fists with their hands. But apparently I don't get I don't get this. Old El Paso had been eyeing Sweden for years. The salsa company and they make taco shells and things like that. They go, we want in this market for whatever reason. It's just a country, right? Have they dominated the rest of the globe with Sweden, the one country they couldn't break into? We want this country. They've been trying for years to get their product into Sweden. They go, I have an idea. They begin airing a commercial. It's a very simple commercial. How to make a taco. And they show that I get an old El Paso shell. Get a new shell, but the brand is old El Paso. Get a shell, put in the meat. Put in the cheese, and people are like, whoa, honey, 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 come in, come here, quick, quick, quick. What's going on, Roger? Look at, look at this a bizarre food, because they weren't eating tacos. I'm sure the occasional person, like an exchange student, was like, dude, and it went over there, and their food, it's like in a shell, and you can eat it. <laughs> what are you doing, eating turtles? But it was a brand new exotic food, and I guess in Sweden, they're really used to the smorgiborg style, so... You have this thing, you have this commercial, how to make a taco, and people are like, it's blowing people's minds. So that becomes mixed with Cozy Friday. And to this day, you have Taco Friday in Sweden. It's a national thing. Every Friday, 
You wear your pajamas. You go to work. We have Casual Friday in America over there. It's Taco Friday. You go to work in your pajamas. Hopefully you're not a garbage man. You're all super cold outside. You wear your pajamas. You eat tacos now and also processed food. You sit, have a bag of chips, eat tacos. You had other Swedish companies get in on the business. They're selling Mexican spices to spice everything up. And then they're putting their own twist on it. They go, you know what? Tacos are delicious because tacos are delicious. How can we make them gross? How can we make them so Jason won't eat them? So because they have this big smorgasbord style, they'll include cucumbers. So I guess that's a big thing in Sweden. A lot of times there's just a cucumber sitting on the table and the kids are just eating it, eating it like corn on the cob. Nah, 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 nah. They're constantly like pickling it, which I guess it's a pickle then, but they're like dicing it and eating it and all that sorts of gross stuff. They'll put cucumber in their tacos. They'll put peanuts in their tacos. Which sounds like a cruel trick. The taco, the crunchiest part should be the shell. If I bit into a taco and I bit into a peanut, I would assume it was a human tooth. And I was Superman and I could bite through human teeth. It would be quite shocking. They'll put pineapples in it, which actually sounds pretty good. Then they put yogurt in it. I'm thinking that's a translation error. I don't think they're grabbing like, yo, hey, can you, honey, can you have me some of that strawberry you'll play? I'm assuming in Sweden, yogurt means something, something not totally disgusting to put on a taco. And they've made taco pizzas, taco pies. You can buy a frozen taco pie from the store. And it's such a national thing. Stores, you're like, Jason, what are you, a tourist board now? Stores on Fridays will sell discount taco stuff. Restaurants, you go in a restaurant, two tacos, please. Tacos are on sale on Fridays. And I guess in Sweden, they have free lunches for the kids. It's tacos on Friday. So whether or not you like tacos, you're eating tacos on Friday. And who doesn't like tacos? Because of these two commercials, because of Cozy Friday and How to Make a Taco, Sweden is the number one consumer of Mexican food in all of Europe. Number two is Norway. They also have Taco Friday. They also have a tradition like this where they're making tacos every Friday. I think it's just a weird story. That's it. No goblins show up, but it's a weird cultural story to think. One, it boggles my mind to think no advertisement till 1990. That it completely like re- would reshape my childhood. Because Transformers, all those cartoons were basically giant ads. Those I, I don't even know if those existed. But yeah, I grew up with advertisements. I look forward every... At the beginning of each month, they would de- debut the... I used to want to go into marketing. It was actually like, I remember I wanted to be a journalist or work in advertising. I think it would be amazing. I think that, that, part, that part is the equivalent of a goblin to me. And then the fact that just a two ads, so you had other, like, like I said, you had a really popular spice company that jumped on the bad wagon and they started making tortillas and they were really pushing as well. But basically from two advertisements, you created a cultural phenomenon. In America, we had where's the beef, but it was like a joke. People weren't actually curious as to where the beef was. It was just a joke people would tell. And it was never it was never a funny joke. But this one actually changed society. So yeah, it's just a weird cultural story, little artifact. And if you, tacos aren't your thing, if you're allergic to flour and meat and cheese and lettuce, I don't know how you're still alive. I don't know what you eat. But just in case, on Saturday... They have Lord de Godis, which means Saturday sweets. And they just sit around. I don't know how they get anything done in this country. They just sit around and eat sweets. They eat processed food on Fridays and sweets on Saturdays. And some killjoy was like, hey, isn't this not healthy? Like, shouldn't you not have a tradition where you eat processed food 
every Friday because it has to be processed. They don't like home make their tortillas. They buy it from the store. And people go, yeah, it's like super unhealthy for the body, but it's healthy for the society because it brings everyone again, no matter what you're doing. Your son's addicted to heroin. You're, you're addicted to tacos. But you can both come together and have Taco Friday. Like, no matter what's going on, burglars are being chased by the cops, and then the clock strikes midnight, and all of a sudden it's Friday morning, they both sit down there and eat tacos. It brings societies together. Idea guy, let's go ahead and call in that carpenter copter. We're going to wave goodbye to Sweden. But of course, dude, we got a full taco buffet going on in the carpenter copter. Idea guy's like, can I have some? We're like, no, dude, you can't fly and eat at the same time. Oh, this is so good. We're eating all the food. I little teardrops coming out of Idea Guy. He's like, dude, you don't even remember why I'm on the show. And now you won't feed me. Don't worry. We're going to save you the best. I'm going to personally make you the best taco ever for when we land. So fly us on out to Nigeria. Eating tacos, doing an ASMR podcast all of a sudden. We are in Nigeria. I'm going to toss Idea Guy the most perfect taco, ever. a whole plate of perfect tacos. You can munch on those as we're walking through the streets of Ibadan. That's an Oyo state in Nigeria. It's March 22nd, 2014. And outside of Ibadan, but not too far away, is a location known as Soka Forest. This is not the forest from Wrong Turn. This is not Camp Crystal Lake, although it will mimic those very, very quickly. It's not some far-off destination. It's basically like off the freeway. You can see this forest as you're driving down major roads. And for years, people would say, locals would say, people are getting kidnapped and they're getting taken to the forest. And for years, they'd make reports to the police And for years, the police would go, listen, here's what's going on. That's not true. Um, They're not being kidnapped. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I know. I used to have a son. He's not here anymore. And the cop's like rolling his eyes. He's like, a son, Uh uh-huh. One, they're not getting kidnapped. That's a local legend. Two, sometimes the police would say, that's not my jurisdiction. Like, look at my badge. I'm a city cop. That's in the forest. You need to go find a forest cop. They're like, do those exist? He's like, maybe. But I'm I'm not in charge of the forest. And then three, sometimes they would say, listen, people aren't kidnapped out there, but I know every so often someone sees like a weird figure walking around. There's a rehabilitation center out there. So like destitutes is the word I kept seeing in these news articles. This is not rumored. This was heavily reported in the news. Destitutes are taken out there and it's like a rehab center. So that might be a term for like drug addicts or drunkards or hobos. Who knows? But that is what this place is talking about. March 22nd, 2014, though, the people have had enough. Really, to be specific, it was a group of people had enough. They were motorcycle riders. They weren't like dirt dirt cross riders. Hey, Jimmy, where's the track at? Soka Forest, bro. They were taxi cab drivers, but they used their bikes as the taxi. And recently, three of them had gone missing. And the taxi cab riders, they all knew where the guys were. They had to be at Soka Forest. Nobody could find them. People had been disappearing in Soka Forest for so long. The police weren't doing anything. We got to do something about it. So they straight up goonied this. They got a hundred dudes on their bikes and they drove into the forest. Could you imagine the sound of a hundred motorcycles coming at you? You're in the forest. You're just a squirrel hanging out, trying to get a nut. And then all of a sudden... A hundred motorcycles 
powering through the forest. But what are they going to find? What would you think you're going to find? You hear a story of people missing in the area. Three of your buddies go missing. Let's go out to the forest. They have to be out there. What do you think you're going to find? Because this forest isn't in the middle of nowhere, and even forests in the middle of nowhere have these, there's buildings, there's like warehouses dotting the edge of the forest. And that's where they're going. They figure, we're just going to go ask some questions. And as they're driving their motorcycles through the forest, approaching these warehouses, they do see a security team out there. So maybe the stories of it being a rehabilitation center are true. But chaos erupts. When as these motorcycle riders are going through the forest, they begin seeing human skulls laying on the ground. There were 20 decaying bodies, full bodies of people, littering the property in the forest and around the warehouse. 20 corpses. And, depending on the article, 50 to over 100 human skulls littering the property as well. This isn't a missing persons. Maybe people are being kidnapped and sold into trafficking or something like that. This is mass murder, mass serial killing in the year 2014. They begin attacking the security people at the warehouse. They believe these guys have to have something to do with not only their missing friends, but all of the... How would you not? How would you not? If you went over to your buddy's house, hey man, what's up? Uh, I I have a question. Do you have anything to do with the 20 corpses littering your yard? And your buddy's like, no, no, no. I just run a rehabilitation center. You'd be like, what are you rehabilitating them from being alive, basically? But the security personnel is saying that. We run a rehabilitation center. This is, we, we don't know about those bodies, right? They were there when we got here. At this point, the motorcycle riders are calling the police. And even locals, are they're getting all these phone calls. People are pouring out of their houses and headed down the street because their brothers, their sons are telling them, you won't believe what we found in this forest. There's bodies everywhere. They begin getting phone calls as well from one of their missing friends saying... Help me, I'm trapped in the basement. I'm trapped in the basement. I can hear you guys up there. Help me. I don't know why he wasn't calling earlier and be like, hey guys, yeah, sorry you haven't seen me in a while. I'm in a basement. The kids are trying to get into the warehouse and security personnel is holding them back. And there's actually like shots are being fired. Innocent people are getting shot. There was like a pregnant woman walking down the street. She got shot by a security personnel because she was headed to the scene. She didn't die. She just got wounded. Baby was fine. The security were trying to basically shoo them off, and they were beating these kids up. They were basically defending their property. The motorcycle riders, the young kids, they're all like in their teenagers, college age. They said, these guys are actual serial killers. They weren't holding back. They grabbed a guy and burned him alive. They saw another guy, like, run out of the woods, and he was talking on his phone. He's like, don't come here, guys. Don't come here. And they thought that meant he was part of the conspiracy. They burned him alive as well. So you have this, you have like vigilante action. You have security personnel. They were armed. They had everything from guns to bows. They had machetes. They're fighting. The police are trying to get into the middle of this. They really don't want to though because it's just so violent. The youths get pushed back from the place. And then they decide to just begin slaughtering local farmers' cows. Again, this was not in the middle of nowhere. There was farms next to this because they figured there is no way these farmers did not know about this. You could smell the bodies when you were this close. If you were grazing cattle, you knew this. So in retaliation, they began killing cows and they were calling out the farmers, 
you're part of this too, we're going to kill you. And a couple of them actually were able to breach the perimeter and wanted to get into the basement of this warehouse. There's photos of the aftermath of this. And I said on a recent episode, I don't like watching, looking at gore photos because I've seen enough of it in real life. But I run into them every so often when I'm researching true crime. I'm scrolling through this article. There was like 15 different articles that I was reading on this thing. And there's a photo of a couple bodies. And I was like, oh, great. And then I realized these weren't decomposing people. These were the survivors. In all, after the police were able to separate and were able to safely get into the building that the security personnel were guarding and was saying was a rehabilitation center, they rescued 20 people. Some of them looked like they had been starving. Some of them looked like they were about to die. This photo was of two people laying on the ground. One of them, you could see the full skeleton of the guy. He was the survivor. One woman, because they got, they, the 20 people, they were all taken to the hospital. Bunch of people were arrested. The youths, actually, a lot of them went home, you know, because they burned a couple people to death. You don't want to get caught for that. Some of them were trying to go through the warehouse and find the access to the basement. The police are like, there is no basement. The, the kindly owner who owns this building full of these people informed us there is no basement, and they would not take no for an answer. They actually began trying to dig into and around the warehouse to see what's underneath it, the police had to beat them away, beat them back, wouldn't let them dig to see if there was a basement. But as the police, all of these 20 people, they were taken to the hospital, and of course they were interviewed a couple days later, like, what happened? Like, what was actually going on here? Because they were still saying this is a rehabilitation center. There was one woman, she said, back in September 2013, I remember I was leaving my house, and I was walking out to my car, And then you guys came through the door and there was a bunch of kids with shovels trying to get into the floor and people were talking about rehabilitation center. That's all I remember. And the police go, okay, you got kidnapped in September of 2013. It's March, 2014. You don't remember anything else. She goes, no. Isn't that, that's so creepy. They go, did you see people getting murdered? She goes, I can faintly remember people who were in captivity with us leaving and never coming back. She goes, I don't know what happened to them. I, it was like a dream. I was walking out of my house. The next thing I know, police were bursting into a warehouse. I had no idea what was going on. That's terrifying to me. That's like lost time involving aliens, but actually far, far darker. There's one woman said one day she was sitting on her porch. This was in another state. This wasn't, people weren't just being kidnapped locally. They were being kidnapped all over Nigeria. To the point that when this story broke, while all this stuff was going on, like within a day, people were traveling from all over the country because they had had a loved one go missing. Five years ago, two years ago, whatever, they were traveling out there to see if any of these bodies, mothers coming out to try to find their children who had been missing, snatched off the street. But remember, there's like 20 bodies you could count, 20 living captives, but 50 to 100 or more skulls littering the property. This one woman, though, said she was sitting on her porch and some uh, police officers approached her one day and said she was under arrest. She's like, well, for what? For what? Get in the car. We'll tell you later. They took her to this warehouse. And so that 
started a whole bunch of conspiracies. And the conspiracies were already there because the police weren't investigating this. For years, people complained about this place. It was not being investigated. The conspiracy theory was the government was behind this in some fashion. But why? Why would, what would they have to gain from this? We covered this before, actually twice. I know we covered it when we talked about the Badu Boys. It was a cult in Africa. It was fairly recent of serial killers. It was a serial killer cult that was smashing people's heads in with um, uh, stone clubs, mortars, and uh, selling the blood-soaked rags to shaman who would then use them to cast spells for the rich and powerful. We also covered them, if memory serves me correctly, when we talked about the Jaguar cult. I also believe their magic was used to protect the rich and powerful. Once again, we have that coming into play. The theory is this. These people were being kidnapped and then being murdered ritualistically or having their flesh peeled off or both. I mean, it's not one or the other. They're like, we're going to murder you, but we can't peel off the flesh. They can do both, obviously, unfortunately but then using those for rituals as well for rich and powerful people. So that was the belief. You had some women in their time period there give birth and the babies taken away. So the idea that black magic was involved in this was really big in the local community. They can't think of another reason why you would do this. It was basically industrialized black magic. We've seen genocides, obviously, and they're always awful. We've seen genocide across the ages, across the countries, across the cultures. This wasn't any sort of like ethnic cleansing. This was not like it makes it better, but it wasn't ethnic. It wasn't political. It was likely magical. It likely was industrialized ritual dark magic. And so the people are going, listen, it's the same thing we talked about with the Badu boys, and I'll put those episodes in the show notes. The spells are designed to protect the rich and powerful, and to make you rich, you need this blood magic. You need this dark, dark energy. And that makes you rich and powerful in the first place. So those people are going to be in positions of power to cover up those crimes. Because if those crimes get exposed, they can get exposed. So they go, oh, no, it's just superstition. Don't worry about it. Why are you wearing that bib made of human flesh? What, this? This was here when I got here. I was born with this. And so the locals just don't believe it when the authorities say, oh, no, 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 it wasn't that. Um, And they denied it that anything was going on for years. They denied this. But once those kids on those motorcycles breached the perimeter, got into the forest, which, again, was not in the middle of nowhere, they could have walked off the road and found this stuff. So you have that belief. Is there any proof to it? Is there any proof to it? All the articles I read, nobody could ever say conclusively that this is why these murders took place, that it was ritual black magic. But there was no other, other than it was a rehabilitation center. That was the only other argument. No one else was saying it turns out that the the people were talking about um, organ trafficking, organ harvesting as well. But why would you starve a man? Someone's like, I want a new heart, but I want it to be as weak as possible. Why would you starve a man for so long? If you're organ transplants, you would take the person at their prime health and then divvy up the organs right away. You wouldn't keep them prisoner. You would keep them prisoner if you wanted to prolong their pain, if it had something to do with the dark arts. That makes sense. So there was 
organ trafficking and the fact that it was a legit rehabilitation center. And literally, they said these people were here like this when they got here. They looked emaciated when they got here. That's why were they chained to the bed? Uh, They didn't have an answer for that one, but that it was a legit rehabilitation center. (laughs) There's just a bunch of skulls and dead bodies everywhere or the ritualistic murder or the organ trafficking. I think an interesting way to wrap this story up is the closure to all of it. Because we'll see this from time to time. Every so often a serial killer kills a bunch of people, like Jeffrey Dahmer kills a bunch of people in his apartment, or that dude in Cleveland or Idaho or wherever killed a bunch of women in his house. I mean, that's happened in every state, unfortunately. But there was one in particular, I forgot who it was. He was bringing women home. He was super stinky and his house was gross and he was killing women in his house. They tore the whole house down. Like someone will, like a local person will usually buy it and then they'll just demolish the house. Get rid of the memory. I'm pretty sure they did that to Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment building, which would suck for everyone else who lived there. But I guess they probably were like, I don't want to live here anyways. So they want to do that to this whole forest. The state governor, Abiola Ejimbio, comes out to the forest. So he's highest official in the state, comes out to the forest and goes, This forest stands as a monument to darkness. This warehouse where these dark and twisted actions took place, they will just be reminders to all future generations of what happened here. We need to actually demolish this stuff and rebuild a new Nigeria. One that's past these petty superstitions. One that looks past these folklore tales and one towards a brighter future for our state and for our country. The governor gave that speech four days after the murders were exposed. The state governor came out and they were actually beginning to demolish the buildings and the police were like, there's evidence in there. You can't burn down the forest yet, governor. This is a murder investigation. Four days after Over a hundred bodies were found. The governor of the state came out and ordered the destruction of the property. And they started to do it before the police. And eventually other members of the state government had to intervene and stop that. Five years after the fact, that would be a touching moment to tear that all down and build a park in the memory of the victims. The bodies were found on March 22nd. He was giving the speech on March 26th. That doesn't sound like a touching tribute to those who have died. That sounds like an attempt to destroy evidence. An attempt to cover up the ritual murders of at least a hundred people. When you can get kidnapped off the porch of your house, and the police refuse to investigate, and the government tries to destroy evidence, that is a bleak, bleak future. That is a world where we don't rule, but the black magicians do. The shaman, the wizards, they rule the world. And does this type of magic stop in Nigeria? Does it stop at the borders of Africa? Or is it worldwide? We can hypothesize, we can trade conspiracy theories, but you won't know for sure until one of two things happen. You take a path towards becoming a political figure or a powerful person. And as you're moving up those ranks, 
you are asked to make a dark deal. Or, one day you're walking out to the car, and the next thing you know, heavy steel clamps are placed around your arms and legs. And you stare off into the darkness of a warehouse, and you can hear nothing but the sounds of others in captivity around you, and your own beating heart. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. It's so dark. It's so spooky. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.